Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Hey Jeff, what's the weirdest thing that you do for $5? I would maybe light a $5 bill on fire. Love it. And just get another $5 bill. But then again, Fiverr's going to take 20% and I'm out in the hole. Uh, today's show, we're talking about Fiverr, a two-sided gig marketplace. Yeah. So as Jeff mentioned, Fiverr's a marketplace. It offers micro gigs for buyers and sellers. Uh, it got its start by, you know, sellers were offering gigs for $5. So, you know, you could hire someone to do X for, for five bucks. So in, in simple terms, what Fiverr's really trying to do here is just enable uh, freelancers and anyone looking to to do things in the, you know, from, from writing, like redoing resumes all the way to design and things like that. Fiverr's mission is to quote, change how the world works. And they also claim to be the world's largest marketplace for digital services. So it's interesting with Fiverr because I actually have never used Fiverr before, but my only experience with the the product is my cousin who got married, her um, her little brother, my, my cousin as well, hired someone to sing happy birthday shirtless like on an island to her fiance at the time, <laughs> now husband. And it was hilarious because we like played it at the <laughs> at the wedding and, you know, just got to, to see this guy talking to Ryan and singing him happy birthday shirtless. And I was just <laughs> amazed that it cost five bucks. So I had never, yeah, I just had never expected that. So it's just weird to, to, to see that. And it was t- fun to see that. So I'm curious to, to get to your experience, Jeff, which we'll, we'll get to in, in a little bit. So to talk a little bit about Fiverr's business model. So Fiverr. They offer services. So if you click on something like digital marketing, for example, uh, you're going to click in and say, hey, like I want to learn how to market or I want someone to, to market my podcast for me. So let's say that uh, you're going to charge $100 to market someone's podcast. Ultimately, Fiverr is going to take about 20% of any gig that you as the seller offer on the um, the market. So these sellers that are all on the marketplace, they have different levels. So this depends on how experienced you are and other things that go into this. And it's kind of like if you listen to our Uber episode, a little bit like the driver rating system um, where it gives you preference for you know more gigs, you can clear money faster, you're going to get higher priority on the website and you're going to hit the algorithm just right. So yeah, just in summary, um, Fiverr's marketplace, uh, a two-sided marketplace, uh, and they take a cut off all the gigs that they uh, enable on within their marketplace. Yeah, I'm... Uh... Pretty excited about this episode because I have a lot of experience with Fiverr, I think. I've been on both sides of the marketplace. So I have purchased gigs on Fiverr and I actually offer uh, services on Fiverr as well. In terms of what I've done or I've purchased gigs for the game that I developed or helped develop All Rise, we started by using some designers off Fiverr to create some initial concepts and even helped us with some of our different art, card backs, things like that. So, Oh, that's really cool. I never would have thought of that, but that's such a really, yeah, I love that. I had no idea that you used it for your board game. Yeah, like eventually we end up using some other folks that we knew or met through the grapevine. And that's great if you're well-connected. But mm-hmm. I think the issue is that not everybody knows a graphic designer or not everybody knows someone that knows how to create digital art, for example. And so it's just good to be able to reach out into this network of people into this marketplace and just look around and see what people have worked on um, and figure out what services they can provide and pay them a little bit to to provide something for you. I do think that digital artists and design people on Fiverr are probably the most common gig. Like there's a ton of people okay. that just do logos, for example. 
a previous podcast that I had started up, it didn't live, but <laughs> I think uh, I paid like five or $10 for a logo from them. And they gave me like a, a couple of different concepts. And once I picked one, they like made all the changes for me. And I was able to use that logo concept for our podcast. You can even find things like podcast intro music. People will put that together for you and you can spend some money doing that. For example, you can pay money to get your interior design like redone uh, by somebody on Fiverr remotely. That's something that other people do. So my wife and I, when we got married, we didn't actually prepare to keep her bouquet and preserve it. So that's my little tidbit to you, Mike, if you want Adrian's bouquet to be preserved for the rest of the I had no life. idea this was a thing. It this, is a this thing. Is, um, <laughs> I love it. You need to kind of book and reserve it. And then they need to, there's like a lot of time and effort that goes into preserving the bouquet so that you can kind of keep it for the rest of your life. And they dry the flowers and they kind of replace everything. And it's kind of a, a big deal. Is it like taxidermy, but for flowers? Kind of. Yeah, actually, I guess that's a good way to describe it. That's so weird. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not something you think about at the time, but no. you know, afterwards, like when you're like, oh, the one thing I wish I would have kept was the bouquet. Karen had wished that she had kept the bouquet and preserved it and we could have kept it in the house and would have been awesome. But, you know, unfortunately, we, we did it. And by the time you just have to kind of throw it away. We did have a lot of pictures from the wedding, though. And so what I did one year was I took that picture or took a couple of those pictures. I went to a digital artist on Fiverr and I got them to recreate that in watercolor. And then we, nice. and I got it printed on a big canvas print and I gave her that as an anniversary gift. So like, there's a lot of cool stuff that you can do on Fiverr. I would have never known anybody that does like watercolor art or anything like that. Like people do caricatures, people do pictures of the dogs. I don't know, pretty much you name it, right? But any sort of gig service that somebody can do as like a one-off thing, one-off project, you'll probably be able to find on Fiverr. On the seller side, I have done mostly career-oriented stuff. So whether it's product management counseling or helping people write their resumes or going through mock interviews with people. I've got a couple of gigs on Fiverr to offer those services and have been on the seller side as well. And at this point, I've probably done that for about six months or so, seven months. And it's just like an extra side income that I, I do and work on. And I just kind of fill up my empty time with with that. Between this yeah. and the podcast and the board game and a real life job, I also do Fiverr <laughs> on the side sometimes, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, I have a couple of questions there um, just because I've never used Fiverr. What's the quality bar like? Yeah, it does kind of depend, right? Like the quality bar can be very low. It's always this trade-off. The trade-off is that you can find somebody that's really highly rated. They're probably, if they're smart, will charge a little bit more money for their services. And so maybe if you're like penny pinching, you might start and say like, maybe I'll just give a, a brand new seller a try. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you'll pay five bucks and you'll get something back and you may or may not be happy, right? But then some people actually opt in to pay extra money for these higher quality services. And like I said, there's a seller rating of, I guess, expertise and like seniority on the platform. Mm -hmm. So for example, I'm a level two seller, which means that I've sold, I can't remember how many specific gigs I've like sold this much amount of money. And then I have been on the platform for, I think, 60 days without any sort of like terms and conditions violations put on me. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, like once you get to a level two seller, your gigs will start floating up to the top of searches obviously because you're level two people trust you more and you can tend to charge a little bit more money because they know that you've like done this for quite some time versus somebody that's only charging like five dollars or something so i've had right. people like reach out to me before and they're like hey will you do a resume rewrite for ten dollars and i'm like no <laughs> because <laughs> like, i spend a lot more time on my resume rewrites and i i do due diligence i review them and I've had a lot of happy customers 
But there are people that rewrite resumes for $10. And I always tell people, look, like you're more than welcome to go search to other sellers if you're on a tight budget. And unfortunately, like if my service isn't what you're looking for, no worries. Like hopefully there's somebody out there that will help you. But that's kind of the game that you're playing on Fiverr. Is you're trying to match the supply and demand based on what your non-negotiables are. So if you definitely want the quality and you see that this person has a lot of reviews, high ratings, then it might be worth the money versus like gambling on somebody that might be bad. And then you're just spending like five or 10 bucks at a time. Interesting. Yeah, I, this, is, this is actually, it's funny. It's like, this is like the first time I'm hearing that it's not just for $5 gigs, that you can actually go up in price. I actually yeah. literally thought it was only for people, you know, for $5 transactions. So I, I never actually looked into it because I'm like, you know, anything on my side, I would want to make to charge to charge more than five dollars. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's interesting. And I'm curious with like the mechanics of like how does Fiverr prevent things from going sideways? You know, like let's say like you're a a buyer and the seller just doesn't deliver. For example, like what what, what kind of recourse do you have? Like what does that look like? Yeah, in general, Fiverr takes a very proactive buyer protection policy. So if the seller is late, that typically is a hit on the seller's searchability, basically. Like they won't be shown in as many gigs. If they get a cancellation, cancellations are really, really bad for Fiverr sellers. Mm -hmm. There's a pretty major impact. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of transparency into how a cancellation does impact sellers, but pretty much anyone that's ever had a cancellation on Fiverr has seen a dip in their um, SEO ranking, and for, at least for some time. And then they have to like recover over time. I do think seniority does matter and if you get a canceled gig it doesn't matter as much if you are you know been around and on fiverr for some time on the platform but if you're an early seller and you get a cancellation it's almost like a death sentence it's, it might even be better to create a like a fresh account because Damn. it's just going to hurt your seo so yeah i like i think that certainly like you you could like screw over your buyers but like it's going to hurt you in the long run and like you might make off with the five or ten dollars or whatever <laughs> your gig is for this one time but it's going to be much harder to find long-term business. I've personally found that what's been really good for me is focusing on quality early on in my like five or selling career versus the amount of money I'll make. And I just yep. spent basically six months just making sure I get high quality reviews that people are really happy with the service that I'm like doing right by them and not just trying to upsell. And I found that to be a very good strategy in expanding my Fiverr business. And yeah, like overall, now I'm starting to like raise my prices a little bit just because people have found the value in it. And I'm still getting just as much business as I was before because, you know, I've been vetted, I've been reviewed, people like leave really good comments and people are happy with the service. Yeah, you're, it sounds like you're you're legit now. <laughs> I think one of my favorite episodes of Black Mirror, the Netflix uh, mm -hmm. show, for folks that aren't familiar, it's a sci-fi. If things go sideways, and it just explores like really edgy <laughs> sci-fi concepts. One of my favorites is like the social media episode where basically everyone walks around with their face in their phone, giving people a rating, and like they're just rating each other as humans. So it's like you know, give me a five star rating, and you get better access to like real estate like if you want to buy a house and live in a neighborhood you need to be oh. above like 4.2 stars and the whole like episode is like this girl who's like on the cusp of like a 3.9 or four star and like whenever she's going to a wedding of her friend that's a a high like four she's super snobby and like has a perfect life and things just start start going sideways for her and her rating starts tanking and her life starts tanking so kind of like what you described of like <laughs> you as a seller on fiverr i imagine it's very similar where you just have to hold that high quality bar because if you don't you're gonna lose your 
you know, your place in, 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 in your revenue stream. So if you were counting on this for, you know, significant part of your revenue, which I don't know how many people are with, for Fiverr, it's pretty significant. So anyways, just a little interesting anecdote about how this rating system and SEO, how it's just playing such a big part in, on all of our lives. Yeah, for sure. I think there's a lot of people that do tend to take Fiverr very seriously. I mean, I do it as a side gig to kind of fill some extra time, but there are certainly people that make significant money on Fiverr. And what I've heard is Fiverr sellers are pretty synonymous with the kind of nomad tech worker life. So a lot mm-hmm. of the Fiverr gig workers are like people that can just work on their laptops and be anywhere in the world. I think there was one Fiverr seller that I heard on, I think it's NBC, CNBC's Make It. Have you watched that on YouTube? It's basically like, oh, so-and-so makes $53,000 a year, like see how they live their life. And they do like a quick overview of like how they <laughs> break down their spending and stuff like that. And they were talking about this one girl who um, does Fiverr gigs and how much money she's made. And it's like an incredible, like, I don't know if it's two or 300 grand a year, just like working on Fiverr for, from all these like big gigs that she's done, constantly getting like major work. But yeah, I think like it's, it's kind of this like very interesting problem. I think when you come onto Fiverr and you're a seller, first, you have to find a marketable skill. Mm-hmm. That's like one thing. And two, you have to also find a skill that's not overly saturated. So anybody will tell you like, go on Fiverr and make logos and it'll take you 20 seconds to make a logo and you can charge five bucks and you do this like hundred times a month and you make 500 bucks a month. Like, yes, it's it's that easy. But the hard part is there's 10,000 other people doing the same thing. So like why right. the demand's just not there, right? And so you really need to figure out um, a way to sell on Fiverr and do something that's unique and different compared to the other skill sets that are out there so that you can float to the top of that SEO and be able to, you know, provide your services and get visibility and have people click on your gig and stuff like that. Totally. No, all this is just like a microcosm of entrepreneurship of just like tweaking your, you know, supply and demand and like, you know, yeah. it's a crowded space. Like, how do you, how do you survive? Cause it, it technically is easy and the, and the barrier is super low is like, yeah, I can make a, a logo for you and just doodle, but no one's going to buy it. So yeah, it's definitely a numbers game. Like I know on Fiverr, for example, as you level up from let's say level one to two and then two to top seller, you start getting the ability to post more gigs and mostly the, the idea around posting more gigs is for visibility, right? Each of your gigs is a very unique set of, you know, texts and words and, you know, categories. And so when people go to search for different things, you might show up in a different gig as well. I think right now I'm running three different gigs, two of which are pretty popular, like doing pretty well. And one gig's kind of dead in the water. But, you know, I have thought about expanding the gigs that I do uh, t- so that I would be showing up in other searches And then, you know, cross-selling or saying, hey, like, I know you're interested in this, but would you be interested in this as well? Or conversely, would you want to add this on or or things like that? So you have to start with a couple of gigs and get your foot in the door, get a lot of ratings, get a lot of views. And then from there, once you have a foothold, you can kind of spread out into other gigs and it's a numbers game from there. But then the other thing too, is that it's a time sink, right? Like there are people that, you know, if you're doing this, like I'm doing it now, it starts to get to the point where... I could be doing more, but at the same time, is it going to be taking away from like my, my normal nine to five job? So you have to kind of ask yourself, like, is it worth doing both or is it fine as a side hobby to kind of optimize your free time or whatever you want? Right. It just kind of depends. Yeah. And that was like, that was like my next question is like, is it, is it worth it? Yeah, I would say it's worth it. I definitely, I just kind of try to do it in my free time now. I do think that it's getting to the point where if I were to do more, I'd really question like if I want to keep doing these like timely cost value type activities, 
or if I want to do something else, it's like a little bit easier for me to set up and deliver and not have to worry about it. So I, I definitely do think it's worth it overall. But uh, yeah, yeah, like for me specifically, it's been great for side money. I've been able to like use it on vacations or like buy extra knickknacks here and there or like take that money and invest it. It's definitely money that I wouldn't be getting otherwise. And like, I'm the kind of person that if I'm sitting around not doing anything, I get really bored. So totally that's why man. I have two podcasts. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I personally, for me, like feel like it's a good good use of my time. And it's a lot of fun too, just to be able to like get another gig and then work on it, you know, in my own free time and feel like I have control directly over money. It's, it's weird because like with a salary, even though you're working for that, you almost feel like it's expected. Like it, it shows up continuously over time. And Fiverr feels very different because I know that if I work harder in Fiverr, there's a direct correlation with how much money I get. I can increase my money, but with a salary, if you work harder, technically, I mean, obviously you can get a raise, you can get bonuses, stuff like that. That's all great. I obviously advocate- It's so much more abstract. Yeah, it's definitely more abstract, right? So I think having a mix of both is great for me because like on the one hand, I can make sure that I'm stable and like can pay my mortgage and like do stuff like that. But then on the side for play money, I could like work harder if I this month want to save up for a TV or something. Yeah, sure. Like for, uh, <laughs> we'll call it your sous vide money since you were just telling me before this episode, you had yeah. a little a mishap with the creme brulee, So I know, I know. I got to just got to buy like dozens and dozens of more eggs. So cool. Let's talk about the history of the product. I I'm a little interested in how Fiverr has kind of come to be. So Fiverr was originally founded by Micah Kaufman and Shai Winninger in February of 2010. The website first launched in early 2010. And by 2012, it had hosted 1.3 million gigs. By 2013, it was on a couple lists for top 100 sites in the US and also top 200 sites in the world. So pretty popular. That's wild. Amongst a lot of people in a couple years of time. Yeah. I have no idea that they've been around for that long and were that popular like when they when they released. Yeah, I think it's we'll talk about the competitors in a little bit, but I think it just has to do with like the fact that nobody was really fitting that mold. Like we talk about gig economy a lot with in terms of like Totally. Uber and Instacart and stuff like that. And that's all good and great. But like when you mix gig economy with the internet and the accessibility of the internet and the fact that you can work remotely anywhere and you're the biggest player in the space, the biggest platform, you're going to get a lot of transactions. You're going to get a lot of buzz and, and movement and progress. So I think that's why they were so successful even in the beginning. Makes sense. They had launched an iOS app in 2013 and then an Android app in 2014. In 2015, Amazon actually started legal action against 1,100 Fiverr sellers because one of their gigs was that they provide hundreds, if not thousands, of fake Amazon reviews. Wow. (laughs) And Fiverr had to cooperate with Amazon to take down those sellers. So Fiverr does have a lot of things that they don't allow, obviously, including fake Amazon reviews. (laughs) Click farms and and things like that. They do ban things like you can't help with schoolwork, for example, like you can't help somebody like do a take home project or like cheat on a test or something like that. Like that's a violation of their policy. I I haven't figured out exactly everything that they don't allow because obviously you wouldn't be able to see it. But I do know that personally, one time somebody asked me for help with some homework assignment, but it had to do with product management and they thought that I was violating something. So he sent me a warning. And I was really ticked off because it like then I had to wait another 30 or 60 days before I can become the next tier of seller. And I had to oh, like, go awful. and dispute it. Yeah, like it wasn't my fault at all. But this this person had just like kind of thrown me under the bus. In 2019, Fiverr had IPO'd. I don't actually remember how much money they IPO'd or what their valuation was. But I wouldn't be surprised if Fiverr actually did really well during COVID because a lot of people were shifting away from normal nine to five jobs and then trying to do some gig work on the side using their platform. 
as I kind of mentioned before, Fiverr does bias towards buyers. And so in general, that's not a bad thing per se. The buyer protections going to be pretty important for any policy, any marketplace policy, but it has garnered criticism in the past for their balance. Me as a seller, I've seen it happen before where it's really difficult for sellers to, let's say, cancel an order for any reason, even if it's not the seller's fault. Cancellations, regardless of who started the cancellation, can sometimes negatively affect a seller's searchability or their gig searchability, for example. Any sort of rating hit, whether it's like, you know, if you go from a five star to a four star also will tank some of your uh, searchability. So there's a very high bar for sellers on Fiverr. And it's, it's a really tight rope that a lot of sellers have to walk and buyers get away with a lot, unfortunately, on Fiverr, whether or not they, they realize or not. I think, I think part of it's transparency, but part of it is just that Fiverr has very lenient policies for buyers and very strict policies for sellers. No, it, it totally makes sense. And, and I think it's a good transition point to talk about who Fiverr is for. And I wrote here in my notes that Fiverr is for you, Jeff. You know, <laughs> if you, you know, for our audience, if you listen to the Pinterest episode, that was definitely for me. Fiverr is definitely for Jeff. But I think to, to answer your question with revenue, because we can start there, is that they've been growing very rapidly. So in, especially in 2020, I think you hit the nail on the head with, with COVID, they were growing a ton. They actually doubled their active buyers since 2017. So in 2020, they had 3.4 million active buyers. So folks that are just going to Fiverr.com, looking for gigs, trying to find something, be it, you know, Jeff Lee's resume writing service or digital marketing or logo design, anything like that. And that was a double, like I said, increase from 2017 when they only had 1.8 million active buyers. With that as well, I think it's interesting metric that they also doubled their revenue per buyer. So in 2017, if you went on the wow. platform, you would only spend, you know, 120 bucks and that's almost doubled as well. So in 2020, the average transaction for a buyer was about $205. So I think it's, I think it shows like the, you know, not only services that are expanding and it's probably also the quality bar where, where all these folks that are the sellers are just seeing, seeing, Hey, I like, like you, Jeff, like you mentioned that I'm hitting a quality bar. People are willing to pay for it. I can start to raise my prices. So I think it's a mix of those microcosms that are happening there, but it's, it's really interesting. So in terms of the overall growth or sorry, like gross revenue that they're seeing 2020, they saw about $190 million in revenue. Uh, and they processed about 700 million uh, in transactions, which is a ton. So that's just, you know, folks buying $700 million worth of services. And they took their, it's, it's higher than 20%, uh, their 190 on 700 million, just for all some of the additional fees and services that, that Fiverr provides. Another interesting note for like who Fiverr is for, um, it's so varied. If you look at their website, there's, you know, I think over 500 different types of services. So it's really hard to nail down like who Fiverr specifically is for. But I think, you know, and that's on the buyer side, you know, it's, it's hard to, to think. It's, it's almost like Fiverr can figure out who and what they're selling based off of each individual seller. But on the seller side, it seems to be like a very specific type of person that has um, some free time. They want to, you know, make a little bit of side cash or freelance. Um, and maybe they even just want to, you know, start building out their portfolio and and maybe break out into entrepreneurship of, of their own, you know, um, be it you, Jeff, like diving into your product management skills, or maybe it's a graphic designer that's just getting started making logos and doing the, you know, 30 second logos for, you know, 200 of them to make 500 bucks, but also to build out their portfolio, which is probably more, more valuable to them. But if you look at the P&L for 
Fiverr uh, or the profit and loss. Fiverr is like really focused on on growing, and I think they've been successful so far. Just like I mentioned, they've doubled their growth. But 65% of their revenue is actually spent on sales and marketing. So they're working hard to, you know, make a name for, for themselves and, and be that, you know, just top of mind place to go if you're looking for, for, for gig work. Yeah, let's talk about competitors too. I know there's obviously other people that are interested in making gig work work on the internet and matching sellers and buyers. The first one that comes to mind is Upwork. I think that's probably the most similar to Fiverr. I think the biggest difference is that Fiverr is really intended for gigs and gigs has mm-hmm. this implication of like short-term projects or these one-off things. Upwork is meant for like continuous longer-term projects. So you'll find consultants on Upwork. You'll find people that are selling their services. It tends to lean towards more of the professional services and they tend to last a lot longer. So the gig orders aren't on the order of like $5 per se, but it's more like, hey, come and be a... I don't know, marketing consultant for my project and I'll pay you $60 an hour or $100 an hour and we'll do this for 100 hours over like the course of a few weeks. So that's what you're looking at with Upwork is more of these like consulting type projects versus like a bunch of these like one-off, you know, quick at one hour, two hour, three hour jobs. Yeah, because... Um, I, I know Upwork, sorry, Upwork only because they purchased Odesk or they, they, they were Elance and Odesk, which were two companies that merged, mm-hmm. um, actually became Upwork. Mm-hmm. And Odesk was a platform that I had used in the past looking for yeah, like longer term engagements for specifically for CAD work when I was just thinking about how I could just stop working <laughs> and dive into, um, you know, just living that lifestyle of just you know, going to somewhere with a really low cost of living and being a full-time remote worker. And, and that's where I, I explored a lot with, with Odesk. So it's interest, interesting that you bring up Upwork. Yeah. And I do think that there's people even on Fiverr that doubly offer their services on Upwork, especially if they are kind of in between, right? I've even had people reach out on Fiverr, ask me for consulting work. And I'm like, unfortunately, I don't do consulting work. So it's not something I, I offer up. But I've been requested before to to do hey, like come and work on this project for 12 weeks or maybe maybe do one small thing. And then if I like the services, I'll be willing to offer you more work in a long term. And, you know, it just wasn't something that I was interested at the time. But Upwork's marketplace tends to lean towards that kind of buying and selling action. The next competitor that, that I think about is TaskRabbit. It's very similar in that people are doing these small one-off things. But I think it's on the other end of Fiverr, which is smaller tasks. It could be as simple as like, hanging some paintings <laughs> like that's like what you expect out of TaskRabbit. like it's like it could be more usually they're more physical things i think like go get groceries go like wash my dog uh or give my dog a bath wash my car like whatever it is like these small one-off tasks craigslist is something i put on here not because it's specifically a marketplace for gigs but they're just a kind of a marketplace for anything so you know anybody that's looking for something and anybody that is offering something in a very broad uh, spectrum, whether it's tasks or services or products, then that's a Craigslist thing. And then similarly, I put Angie's list, which is mostly around businesses, mm-hmm. but kind of the same thing, matching businesses with people that are looking for services. Maybe it's not these freelance gigs, but mostly around, you know, actual established businesses providing value. Yeah, no. And, and I think this is like the fourth or fifth uh, maybe even higher than that marketplace that we've reviewed <laughs> on our on our episodes, <laughs> and I think it's just so prevalent as we're moving forward with the with the internet of um kind of like how do we monetize the internet? And a lot of the answer, a lot of the time, the answer is you know let's connect people together and try to optimize their you know the supply and demand with a, with a marketplace. So 
we can talk about our thoughts um, and, and give a rating. It's going to be really hard for me to give a rating because I've never, um, my only, <laughs> like I mentioned earlier, my only interaction with Fiverr was just watching my cousin get roasted via happy birthday with some guy with a shirt off <laughs> on a tropical island. But I'm going to say it's like, you know, three and a half stars just because I haven't re- reviewed this. So I think it's just, that's going to be my go-to. I don't know what to rate this. So I'm going to just go for an average rating. Um, but it seems like a really interesting, um, product. Like I, I really, after talking to you and hearing your experience, Jeff, I really want to dive into, um, the product and see if there's a, you know, a, a niche that I can fill, uh, with my time. Cause I think, especially as I've, you know, we've been working remotely for the past year and a half, finding, uh, ways outside of work to just do meaningful work outside. So maybe it's, um, you know, I've been doing woodworking. Maybe I can pick something up there and, and dive into, uh, that and just maybe finding a way to, to hone my skills and, and get paid for it. And also, build up my portfolio as I want to start diving into, into other things. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I think the three and a half stars with absolutely zero context. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for me, I have obviously been on both ends. I think from a seller's perspective, what's great is that you can basically find somebody out there that's doing the random tasks that you're trying to help fulfill on Fiverr for as little as $5 and maybe as up to, you know, a couple hundred dollars. So the, the variance in quality and cost is, kind of built into Fiverr. The annoying thing is that for some items, it's hard to know, especially if they're a new seller, whether or not they provide quality services. And if you do want quality, you still have to pay you know, for that quality somewhere else for someone on the platform. So I think it's good in general. You get the option of choice to pick who you want to buy services from and um, what they offer. And sometimes they'll even show you previous samples of work. So you can get a good idea of how they operate. From the seller side, I think the same thing. If you can find your niche and you can figure out how to optimize the searches around the gigs that you're offering, you can make a, a pretty decent side income. And so long as you kind of contribute to the quality, make sure that you're making your customers happy. I think all the qualities that you're looking for in a good seller, you're going to be rewarded with some good results uh, in terms of the the gigs that you get. It is a good bit of work. I won't say that it's like a magic bullet for making all this money on the side and like being able to quit your job, but it can be pretty significant. And I think that it's um, helpful for people to supplement their income, especially if they have other skills that they think that they could be leveraging uh, to make money outside of their normal nine to five. The things I do find annoying from a seller's perspective is there is a lot of protection solely on the buyer side. I obviously think as a buyer, it's good to have protection, but it does seem like sellers are kind of left holding the bag in a lot of instances. On top of that, Fiverr does take a pretty steep rake on top of the gig services. In my case, it's 20%. And I think there's no variability there. It's like always 20%, which is a pretty large chunk, especially when you start getting up into the higher tiers. You know, For every $100 that you make, $20 for Fiverr just being there seems like it's pretty expensive. I feel like, you know, if you were to do, let's say seven gigs in a week, do you feel like just being on the website, you would pay a $20 membership to be on the website every day? If you think about that, it's yeah. kind of expensive. Totally. I, I mean, it, it, it sounds like you're, yeah, totally. It, it sounds like you're losing out on, you know, I mean, when you put it that way, if like you're doing five gigs a, um, a week, you, one of them, you're not getting paid for. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So it is pretty steep. I mean, it is what it is. They do provide a pretty great platform that has a lot of eyeballs and visibility, but it's still pretty rough. I think it's priced a little bit higher than I would anticipate it. I, I would even pay for like some premium membership to like not have to pay 20% a week. I think I'm at the point where I'll probably make a decent amount where I can see the trade-off between like a free account versus like a, a premium account. So for all the things I said, I'm going to give Fiverr a 4.2. It's not a perfect product by any means, but I do think they're probably one of the best 
in terms of this marketplace gig economy to allow sellers and buyers to come together for these small project type offerings. Yeah, I think overall pretty good. I do think that the platform is a little janky sometimes, but overall people are using it. And that's the most important thing is to be able to find people that are interested in your services. So 4.2 for me. I love it. So shameless plug for Jeff, you know, make sure you look him up on Fiverr and look for some resume <laughs> writing services. Um, but yeah, well, this is super interesting. I'm glad you shared your experience with Fiverr because I was super curious about the platform and uh, hope that the, our audience enjoyed this as well. So um, feel free to reach out to us. You can find us and uh, share with us what you thought. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter, both at Prodex Podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X podcast. Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.